please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, this is Treasy. It's Martin and Malman. And I'm Young Lazy. And, um... Uh, we're kind of bringing you a special mashup episode, kind of like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode. Uh, as you guys know, Chandler has a, another podcast he does with his co-host Stephen Wall called the Act 3 Podcast. Right, Lizzie? That's right. Yep. And it, Stephen's on vacation, so it presented us with a unique opportunity to try to solve for X. And what we decided to do was to bring you a mashup episode where we are sitting in on Act 3. Yeah. But it is Chandler's show. It is so it's going to follow show. Chandler's format. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be here for your convenience. Right. And uh, you're going to hear a brand new Martin the Mill, man. <laughs> Actually, I think I want to start yeah. requesting the Act 3 podcast, <laughs> Act <three> Martin. <laughs> Act 3 podcast, Martin the Mill, man. He's very much vocal and jokes are slapping. Yeah, I don't know what it is. The structure just lets me shine, you know. <laughs> I love shade, it, man. Shade, shade, yeah. shade. <laughs> but not, not just like going on and on in meaningless circular conversations. It just really brings out the best of me. Yeah. <laughs> t- tell us how you really feel. <laughs> So basically, we're we're trash producers here, Tracy. That, what that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's crazy because we didn't even have an outline for this one, but we got it. Like, yeah. first well, of all, me and Chandler talked about the outline. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, but so as you guys will see, uh, the Act Three podcast is really like you know Martin the Mailman is saying it's very structured in conversation. It's it, it talks about pop culture. It talks about uh, you know in news and stuff like that. What we've been watching, and then we get into the discussion. So uh, it is very much structured and, and not uncircumcised like our podcast. <laughs> I like that, Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, uh, hope you enjoy. Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to the Act 3 Podcast. I'm Chandler Nunnally. Uh, my usual co-host, Mr. Stephen Wall, is out on a holiday vacation enjoying some time off, but fear not. We've got a huge show for you today. It's actually a mashup of sorts uh, between uh, the Act 3 Podcast and the Kind of Movie Critics Podcast, which of course is the other show that I appear on from time to time. I've got three distinguished guests here with me today, uh, the first of which you've heard a few times before on Act 3. We've got uh, Treasy. Treasy, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. And I just want to say, for the record, uh, comedian Forrest Deal. <laughs> You're still coming <laughs> I'm, for I'm still coming for you, brother. I'm, this is what, time number closer. three? This is number three, man. He's either at five or six. I, so, yeah, I mean, you're making up ground. I'm making up ground, my brother. I can I can feel him sweating from across the Hampton Roads area. He's worried about it. You smell that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've also got uh, Martin the Mailman with us today. Yeah, it's Martin the Mailman, you know. It's the Black Three on the Act Three podcast. What's good? <laughs> hey! <laughs> What's going on? Uh, and then finally, last but not least, uh, also making her debut with Martin on the show, we've got Leezy. Hey. Leezy, how you doing? I'm young Leezy. Like, young Leezy? Because people think me and Easier twins because we look so much alike. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I get it all the time. You know, now that you say it, I see it. You guys look exactly <laughs> the same. I'm confused, man. <laughs> um, so, this is, of course, the Act 3 podcast where we talk about movies, TV, and pop culture, and uh, our unique things that we break our show down into three acts every week. Three acts. Like a movie. Just like a movie. That's right, Treasy. Um, so, in Act 1 of the show, we're going to talk about uh, a couple news stories from the past week. Uh, in Act 2 of the show, we're going to talk about what we're watching lately. And in Act 3, we'll get into our featured topic, which this week is our review of Uncut Gems, the new film from the Safdie Brothers, featuring Adam Sandler in a very prominent and talked about role. Um, sort of a, a big shift in his career and where it's been going lately with all his Netflix comedies and such. 
Uh, but we got such a busy show, so guys, let's go ahead and get into it with Act One. A uh, couple stories. First, uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 now has a release window uh, tweeted out from uh, showrunner John Favreau, and it's going to hit us uh, fall of 2020, so a little less than a year from now. I think they would call that trapping out the Mando. Uh, that's very good. That's pretty good, right? That's good. Driving out the man. You should make that into a t-shirt. Yeah, I might. Did we all watch The Mandalorian? Are we all caught up on it? Not at all, but you could talk about it. You ain't what? seen it at all? No. Well, we're not going to spoil it here. No, nah, you can spoil it. I'll we're not going to. This ain't that kind of show, Martin. <laughs> but I know. I'm surprised you haven't seen it, man, because I think you would like it. Lisa, you've seen the whole thing, right? Of course. We Star Wars people over here. Oh, you and I are, certainly. Treasy is not. Are, are you exposed? I'm, I'm on the tail end, man. I, I, but I've been keeping up with everything. Thing. And of course, everybody's talking about Baby Yoda. I mean, Baby Yoda is, yeah, he has penetrated the pop culture in a very significant way where I think even people who don't care about Star Wars are still like, right. got Baby Yoda, Yoda fever. There Which is go. annoying, by the way. Is it? No, I love it. I think it's great. No, no, no. It's annoying to me that I that people who know nothing about Star Wars and not even watching this show are sending me Baby Yoda memes. And I'm like, you don't even understand what that means. <laughs> See, that's being exclusive. And I think we need to not be the gatekeepers of Star Wars. Star Wars, Lisa. We got to welcome everyone into it. It's fine. We yeah. talked about this on our last episode, and you're right. I shouldn't be a Star Wars snob, but I mean, if that's, but it, no, but if I that's get... the end of my snobbery, like it's very, very Well, small. that's funny because you mentioned our, the last episode of uh, Kind of Movie Critics, our Rise of Skywalker episode, uh, in which I am very snobby about Star Wars. So <laughs> I understand. I got like so hot and sweaty arguing with you guys about that movie. <laughs> you were the only one arguing, though. You kept coming from my neck. I'm like, oh my god. I'm gosh. sorry. I know. After I went home, I was like, geez, man, I was a little harsh about it's just a movie that i had already done one podcast about <laughs> so so i'm assuming season one has ended now season one wrapped up yeah on um, this past uh friday so a couple days before we recorded this so um, do you, i'm sorry to cut you off do you feel ahead. like a season two like there's a, they, they left enough room for a season two there's a clear setup there's a clear yeah. setup um, okay, and, cool. but it's not to say that uh season one doesn't finish up nicely it does okay um and Lisa, i want to know how you feel about this as well but I mean I thought season one was a pretty good season of television I mean it's a it's a different approach to TV shows than we've seen lately because mm-hmm. um, it's not as serialized um, and it, it doesn't have a, a continuing narrative quite to the degree that almost all TV does now um, a lot of the episodes are kind of like adventure of the week type thing yeah but there is an overarching plot and I felt like um, I enjoyed uh, some of the Adventure of the Week episodes more than others, but I liked it overall, and I felt like the overall story, the the arcing narrative, did wrap up pretty nicely. How did you feel? I feel the same way. I can't lie, though. I felt very distracted when we were taken out of the main plot of the show. I kept going like, okay, where are we going with this? But one of the things that I do realize in retrospect is that it's setting you up for other plot lines yeah. in the next season. So I'm okay with that. I and just, see, I don't like that's. I hate seeing the strings like that. You don't like seeing it. No, because I don't like feeling like I'm being, uh, you know, this, uh, something just exists to set up something else. That's a big problem I have with The Rise of Skywalker, you know, where oh. it feels like they leave so many things unanswered just so that you go read the comics or the novels or whatever. Well, there's still some characters that need to be revealed. We saw some feet that we don't know who they belong to. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think so, about um, that. I have, I have some ideas about that, but it kind of brings in the expanded universe into canon. I don't know how I feel about that. We're getting really, really Star Wars nerdy right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but so I think the interesting thing about The Mandalorian, my takeaway is... Um, I think it's an interesting exercise in like different directors having a vision. I think John Favreau as a showrunner seems to have given a lot of uh, creative input to each director because the episodes feel dramatically different um, 
depending on w- what director uh, created it. So right. I think like Rick Famuyi was episodes feel distinct. Uh, Deborah Chow's episodes feel distinct. Dave Filoni's two uh, feel distinct. And then Bryce Dallas Howard makes her directorial debut. You got Taika Waititi directing the finale, which I really enjoyed. Um, and it does feel filmmaker driven in a way that TV doesn't anymore. I mean, you watch Game of Thrones and, you know, you bring in a good director on that show and it might be a better episode, but it's not going to feel stylistically any different than yeah, the others. I'm, I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't stray too much, but you're absolutely right. The tonality from episode to episode was not consistent depending on who was directing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I think that it's it's different um, and it's interesting and I, 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 yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. But also, I, I love um, how The Mandalorian has become the biggest Star Wars thing right now. It's certainly the favorite. Um, Rise of Skywalker, you know, definitely dividing critics and fans alike. Not performing quite as well as uh, Disney hoped at the box office. Um, but I think it's so great that, like, all these people, I don't know, my friends and family members are interested in Baby Yoda. They're interested in The Mandalorian. I got people at work, like, um, you know, one of the my fellow directors at uh, at the station, uh, who has never engaged with Star Wars is watching The Mandalorian and loves it. And I think that that's cool, that this show is like reaching out uh, to such a wide net of people um, and bringing in more people to Star Wars. I think that's cool. I'll say as an innocent bystander, man, just watching it happen, I I do think it's, to me, this is the coolest thing that's happened in the Star Wars property, just seeing how it's developed and, uh, and you know, just how the people respond to it and how it's a weekly thing. It, yeah. To me, it just seems like the coolest thing that Star Wars has done that I've, I've, you know, outside of the originals, I wasn't there to really, really witness the impact of it, but I feel like this is pretty impactful, this Mandalorian. I, I totally agree. Martin the Mailman, very stoic as we talk about the Mandalorian. Are Do you plan to watch a show? Uh, yeah, eventually. Maybe once I go to somebody's house and watch their Disney Plus. You ain't got Disney Plus? <laughs> no. You got Verizon, it's free for a year. No, I don't have Verizon, bro. Me and our other co-hosts are sharing an account right now. So it's oh, fine. that's rough. It's only $7 a month, bro. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't get Disney Plus for one show. It would have to be like five shows before I got it. So you're going to wait mean, for Cassie and Andor and then you're going to do it? What's Cassie and Andor? Cassie and Andor and K2SO have The guy from coming? Rogue One. Oh, okay. And there's an Obi-Wan show coming, and all the Marvel shows are coming next year. So, Well, not all of them. One of them starting oh, yeah. next year. There, there's big things in the works for Disney+, Plus, but I, I respect your, uh, your hesitation there, certainly. Um, and, you know, with all this Star Wars stuff in the news lately, I do feel like the other huge Disney franchise, uh, Marvel, has been uh, kind of out of the conversation. But uh, there was some news from this past week, even though it was a holiday, and news is pretty slow. Um Ryan Reynolds has said that Marvel is working on a Deadpool 3, that it's like fully in development. I wow. did see that. Over at Marvel Studios, and that's significant, of course, because though Deadpool is a Marvel character, uh, his previous films were over at Fox um, oh, because they were part of the X-Men franchise, which Fox has held for you know, 20 years at this point. Yeah. Um, of course, this last year brought the merger of Disney and Fox. They purchased the company, so now all the Fox properties are being rolled back in. Um, and it seems like Deadpool will be the first out of, you know, Fantastic Four, X-Men, and Deadpool. Uh, nice. Deadpool seems to be the first that's going to be integrated. I think that makes sense given the subject matter of of Deadpool, the fact that he sort of acknowledges real-world things, you know, breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> I think that would be the easiest to roll in because uh, Deadpool can just acknowledge in a movie uh, how strange it is that he's now in a new universe with uh, the Disney guys. <laughs> a lot of the com- comedy is very meta in that way. Yes. And going like, oh, you only get two X-Men because, you know, real life. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I think that with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, they've got to be more creative um, in how they 
they work them in. Mm-hmm. But Deadpool, you can just throw them in there and, right. and then hand wave it all the way because that's sort of in his nature. Um, do you guys like the Deadpool movies? I guess that's my question. Uh, Martin, yeah, yeah, I like them. I'm just worried about how far they'll go in Deadpool 3. I think they're mm-hmm. going to scale back the violence, definitely scale back probably the profanity. And I think they're going to scale back some of those fourth wall jokes. Like, he's not going to be making jokes about Disney. And if he does, they're not going to be, like, really hard-hitting. You don't think so? I would I like to be so. surprised, but I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I would be shocked if they did a... Uh, he can make a joke R. about Fox. Like, <laughs> that oh, would be and that's funny. coming yeah, 100%. That's, yeah. But I wonder... Is it going to be violent or profane at all? I mean, that's not the Marvel Studios MO. Yeah, and it is a property he had a lot of like control over. I don't mm-hmm. know how much he has now working with Marvel. So, Well, you're right. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was a chief reason that that movie happened at all over there. I mean, he was sort of the main creative force in a lot of ways um, yeah. and, and helped shepherd it just from an idea all the way through the test footage up to production. Uh, Treasy, do you have any Deadpool opinions? Um, uh, no. You know, a little bit of that, and then a little bit of just you know the comic book. It, it's funny, man. It seems like every time I come on the show, it's, it seems like the most comic book, like Marvel. Uh, or Disney updates about things. Well, that yeah, yeah at Act Three, you know, that about. is like yeah. that is sort of me and Steven's bag for sure. Yeah. I know it's decidedly not your thing. Yeah, it's but not I my think day. your perspectives on it are always interesting. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, Deadpool. I mean, it, it seems like they have a formula that works. But that was the first thing that came to mind for me too. Is like, how much are you gonna yeah. scale back the profanity, the violence? Now that it's a Disney property. I mean, honestly, it was. It felt like a big deal in 2014 when Fox did that, yeah. having produced you know several fantastic. Acid Four films and a ton of X Men films. Yeah. It felt uh, revolutionary that they were doing that mm-hmm. to their own universe. Right, um, Lizzie, uh Deadpool. Your thoughts? Uh, I like Deadpool. Um, unlike Treasy, I do like Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. but I've liked Ryan Reynolds since we were both children. Yeah, so, gotcha. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm curious though with the, with your commentary, Martin, if it's going to be scaled back. I would hate for that to happen, but part of me feels like it'll feel more like Ant Man than Deadpool. That's oh, interesting. That's a good point. On that note, um, who do you think that Deadpool will pair up best with in the MCU as it exists now? Wow, you, you really went for it there. I would have thought that he would be a lot of fun with Chris Evans as Captain America and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Uh, right, you know, for, for spoilery reasons, I think that it's unlikely that we'll see that pairing at this point. I can um, see Spider-Man. I mean, it already happens in the comics. Yes, so, they're a, yeah. a common team up in the comics, right? Right. I, I think he could be fun with, I mean, with all the guys, Smart Hulk. You know, whatever uh, yeah. uh, Ruffalo's doing now. I think Guardians of Galaxy could be a fun team up. See, that's what I'd like. I'd like to see him with Chris Pratt. Yeah. Well, you know, Marvel has done a good job of populating their cinematic universe with, uh, like, comedic actors who also are capable of drama. But so much of their thing is comedy anyway, which is very different from the X-Men films that Fox had because those are, like, not funny. They're pretty serious. They are. Now I'm thinking about, like, Taika Waititi and that brand of Thor might be fun with Deadpool too. It could totally work. I think Taika would probably really enjoy working with uh, that character in his wheelhouse for sure. Personally, I don't like Deadpool. I don't think it's very funny. The movies are okay. Um, but that kind of humor, like the the potty humor, the swearing humor, like that's not really, you know, that's not my bag. Yeah, it's not usually mine either. But I like Ryan Reynolds, so I like Ryan Reynolds a lot, and I really want those movies to do well because of him, yeah. because I like him, even though I don't like um, a lot of his films. <laughs> a lot of his films. <laughs> a lot of his films. It's it's more yeah. than a few of his films. I think are just not good. But he seems like a really genuine and cool guy. 
And I think it's cool to use your star power to get things made that you want to get made. It, you know, no matter what they are, whether it's a small indie picture or whether it's like a big comic book property, I think doing something that's uh, you know out of passion and not because of a paycheck is really cool. All right, so act two of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're watching. Um, so we really do want to get into our Uncut Gems discussion, but I think we've all been watching some pretty interesting stuff. So uh, let's start it off with Treasy. What you been watching? Um, so the, the, the biggest thing uh, is I just watched that Don't F With Cats from, from Netflix. Yeah. Uh, did I steal yours, Lizzie? Yeah, you did. I Y'all did. can both well, talk we can, about We it. can co-combine <laughs> since we're twins. Yeah, d- uh, Don't F With Cats, man. I didn't know anything about the story. Um, I was listening to another podcast. They were really bigging it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't. it's not like I trust these guys' opinions, but <laughs> just the way they were talking about it, it seemed very genuine. And I'm, I'm kind of like a glutton for these, you know, serial killer... True, you know, crime, true crime, crime. Yeah, yeah, I'm always trying to figure something out. That's like, I don't know. I think I was a detective in my former life or something. So <laughs> All um, that Inspector Gadget when we were children. All of that, man. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was uh, Encyclopedia Brown. There but, you go. <laughs> yeah. so, so this show is about, you know, and I don't want to get too graphic because it was a family show, yeah. but it's about a, a guy who did some really sick and messed up things. Two animals. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm not watching it. I I will get way too. Uh, I believe it's the kids say triggered yeah. by that. So I know I can't watch this. Well, they do a really really because I'm sort of the same way. I just don't like to see violence. Period. Yeah. Um. Um. Especially when it results in people or things lo- or animals losing their lives, they do a really good job of not showing you the violence mm-hmm. and just you know you deal with the reaction of what it is. But to be honest, it's a three part documentary series and it goes so fast. It does. The, 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 the what he did to the animals is just kind of like the prologue. It's, yeah. It's the prologue to it. Once we're off of it, we're off of that. And we're on to like bigger and better things. And <laughs> if you want to speak to it, Lizzie, it's um, kind of crazy. So unlike Treasy, I'm very, very familiar with this story. And <laughs> actually <laughs> like per- before the show. Oh yeah. No. So, um, oh yeah. <laughs> Would it, I like would, to use your phrase that I've borrowed and used many, many times, Chandler. I like to consume things that can be very viscerally upsetting. And so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a follower of a podcast. Well, I stopped listening to it because then in real life it got kind of weird. But mm-hmm. um, so I won't mention the name, but uh, I follow a podcast that talked about many, many gross things. And I have people at work that listen to it, too, because, mm. you know, we're a bunch of sickos. It's fine. Yeah, but yeah. Um, this particular story didn't dawn on me that it was this particular serial killer's story Mm -hmm. um, until like a third of the way through. And I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, and and to to, to your point about it, like being upsetting, they don't show you um, any graphic violence against cats. It kind of gives you the lead up to it and then doesn't show you. And honestly, even with the bigger thing that happens in the story, they don't tell you everything because mm-hmm. my podcast tells you everything, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is just vanilla with a little sprinkle of chocolate compared to <laughs> yeah to that." But I actually enjoyed the way that they told the story. Yes. Um, even up to like, there's a fun reveal at the end. I say fun reveal, which is really really morbid, but it's, it is that's fun. morose. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. But it, but yeah. it is a it's it's a very lighthearted thing that I'm talking about. Yes. So like, don't at me. But yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun ride yeah. for for such a grave uh, subject matter. Oh yeah, and yeah. the victim in the case, like 
I like how they handled him and gave Very him much. some time because you know a lot of times when killers are out there they don't talk a whole lot about the victim they, they concentrate more on telling you about the killer yeah so which I feels like it. definitely uh, it feels not the way things should go no yeah. it doesn't um, so yeah don't f with cats that's one of my things yeah. that I'm really telling people like watch that because I like okay. to know yeah. other people are sickos like me so that's don't f with cats that's on Netflix mm-hmm. right now uh, Martin the mailman what have you been watching sir uh, well, I finished up the expanse I love it the season four I hope it gets another season that's a sci-fi show right yeah it's like very hard sci-fi it's kind of if I had to describe it it's kind of like a class two civilization becoming a class three civilization <laughs> well, what? <laughs> and all the problems what that does happen. that mean okay like there's three classes I don't want to go in it's three classes <laughs> the <laughs> civilization, right? Like, we're not a class one yet because a class one civilization can harvest the power of the sun, like, fully. A class two harvests the power of the solar system and a class three harvests the power of, like, other galaxies and other solar systems. What, what, uh, where does this metric come from? Is that just, like, I forgot who created science? it, but it was as a scientist created that. Okay. Yeah, we're, like, below one or something like that Interesting. now. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a it's kind of about space exploration and there's like a mystery involved. And I've been watching the show since it was on Sci Fi. It's on Amazon now. Oh, it moved. Yeah, okay. yeah, it got. I canceled. remember reading. Yeah, that, yeah. And I really enjoy it because I've just been been with the characters for so long. But another thing I watched. Um, we were talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds and Bad Boys too. I watched Six Underground. <laughs> oh yeah, the new Michael Bay joint. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, How is it's, that? It's pretty Michael Bay, <laughs> <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it in the same way I enjoyed um, that third Triple X movie. It's just so it's <laughs> kind of re- what is that one called? Because it's Triple X and it's then called. State of the Union, and then Return yeah. of Xander Cage. Return, Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> yeah. Best title ever. Yeah. <laughs> But in that movie, they for some reason they have like a DJ on the team, like like a disc jockey. Like he can't fight, he can't shoot anything. He's just a DJ for, for some reason. He doesn't throw records at. Yeah, people. what is he doing? Is he like scratching records? And I guess he's changing the move move of the party. Like while they get, <laughs> while they get he's changing the mood of the party while they're getting into their like business or whatever. <laughs> nice. That, I don't understand. But but this movie they have a, a parkour special who's like jumping over stuff and mm-hmm. when you really think about it you don't know why he's in the, in the movie either so <laughs> I, it, it's just one of those movies it was it was fun though it's it's definitely a, more fun to watch it in parts than watch the whole thing throughout okay Dang. to me at least <laughs> yeah how does it compare to uh like the michael bay transformers films which i just for the record like i started out uh you know i was 13 when the first one came out loved it i even loved Transformers 2 because I was 15 when that came out and then I started to see the cracks in, uh, yeah. in the thing and I uh, you know I've pretty much that's all the Bay's been doing recently I mean he did Pain and Gain with Wahlberg and uh, The Rock that was actually pretty yeah. good I heard that was good I never yeah. saw that so I, I, I just kind of have told myself like I'm not interested in what this guy's doing but I mean do you think this is worth diving back in for I mean, if you have time, you don't, you don't really, you just want to see Michael Bay, like, be unleashed, not have any notes whatsoever. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty much what it is, is there's a lot of violence, Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, his type of shots, a lot of cool looking cars, a lot of explosions, stuff like that, set pieces. It's so Michael Bay. There's like a there's like a scene a dude smoking a cigar and somebody shoot and in slow motion the bullet goes through the cigar while he's smoking it and shoots him in the head. That is terrible. Like, <laughs> oh, oh. 
Like it's super violent for no reason. That's a little too mucho. Yeah, yeah. wow. That's so great salesman. I've <laughs> yeah, Sex but I <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It's still it's Ryan Reynolds, of course, Cheesy's favorite actor. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God bless Ryan Reynolds. So. Yeah. What about you, Chandler? What you been watching, man? Um, so I saw a movie that. I was really looking forward to. This is uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, telling of Little Women. Nice. Which is, of course, the novel. It's like 150 years old at this point by uh, Louisa May Alcott. Right. Um, I, this is my first exposure to that story. Um, I've never read the book. I hadn't seen any of the prior adaptations. I know there's a very popular adaptation from uh, 94, the year of my birth. Um, also, the year in which uh, Jay-Z's trunk was raw, I'll remind you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that one had like Winona Ryder and Christian Bale in it. I, I really want to see that one now um, because this movie, 2019's Little Women, just enchanted me. Um, I was just uh, aghast at, at how... Um, how much I love this movie. Like it's rare that I go into a theater and kind of lose a sense of myself these days. And I think you guys can probably relate. Like the more movies you watch, that magic does kind of go away or it becomes rarer because you start to just see, you know, how the sausage is made, I guess. Right. But little women, like I sat in that theater and it felt like I time traveled to the end. Right. And when the credits rolled, I was just like, wow, I just went through a whole experience. Um, You know, little women, for those who don't know, is the story of, um, a family, like in the 1860s or so, uh, it's mainly about these four daughters um, and their life, and it's just a coming-of-age tale, and there's a lot that happens, um, but it's really just about growing up and kind of becoming who you are, like many coming-of-age tales, but the way that it's told, and I don't know how much of this I can attribute to Miss um, Alcott or uh, Greta Gerwig, like I don't, I'm not sure exactly what uh, who's who and whose voice is who. Yeah, because yeah. I because I have no prior exposure to the narrative, but whatever whatever concoction it is in this movie, I mean it it just totally worked for me. The the filmmaking style is great. I don't know if you guys have seen Lady Bird. Oh, yeah. Martin Martin put me on. Lady Bird is yeah, so good. It's good. Yeah, Lady Bird was really good. Uh, I wonder I'm, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. Sound like you're about to do more. I wonder if cuz I saw like Cersei's in this mm-hmm. and then also Timothy Chalamet. I love Timmy Chalamet by the way. I talk about Timmy him Chalamet. I like it. We're on a for, we're on a nickname basis. <laughs> well, I see. Um um but I I, I like what's happening here with like Greta Gerwig and then those two. It seems like mm-hmm. almost like the Scorsese, Pesci, Pesci De Niro. I mean, that's a, a far stretch. But no, but just, I, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. I think Sersha is definitely her muse in a way, and so is uh, Chalamet. And, you know, you've got Tracy Letts comes back uh, in this movie. He played uh, Sersha's dad in Lady Bird. Um, nice. He has a small role here. So she's uh, Greta Gerwig, even though this is just her second feature, she's already crafting this this team, the usual suspects that she's going to work with. And this is, this movie is similar thematically to Lady Bird, but it's so different in terms of look. I mean, the costumes, the set design, mm-hmm. even the way, the quality of the image. Like, I don't know if they shot this digitally. It said it was shot on Ari. I don't know if Ari even still makes film cameras, but it looks like imagine. it's shot on old, old stock. Like it, it has such a classic look to it. Well, that's I think that's the benefit of like you know high end you know Ari making film and making digital. They yeah. probably make they make a lot of their stuff to emulate. Sure, and if it's that, then it's it's beautiful because mm-hmm. I think I mean it's just it's clear that so much care was taken to give this a very specific feel. Um, the score in this movie uh, is by Alexandre Desplat, who did uh, like the latter. 
two Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. like seven and eight. Um, he, I mean, he's done a lot. Of, that's just his most popular work, I would imagine. But he's done a lot of scores. His score is so subtle and beautiful. Uh, the film also has like a ton of diegetic music um, of the period. Um, so like piano sonatas and uh, nocturnes and such. And as a former, you know, classical musician, I really respected that. I mean, I just I can't recommend the movie highly enough. I had like no problems with it. Nice. So I won't go on and on about it. But that's uh, that's Little Women. Go out and see it. Nice. Um, it is it is a beautiful story. I think it will affect uh, anybody who watches it because, you know, I'm not a little woman. And I still found myself uh, really relating to the story. I know right. you're a whole lot of women's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in touch with my uh, with my feminine side. I ain't afraid to say it. <laughs> All right, Act Three of this show. We're going to talk about uncut gems. Uh, Really been looking forward to watching this one. I actually, uh, along with uh, Young Leezy over here, we just got out of a screening uh, not even an hour and a half ago. Uh, we just watched the movie. We have very fresh reactions. Uh, Leezy, are you excited to talk about it? I know we kind of, we, we went and grabbed some food and we didn't say much about the movie. No, just that you were like very upset when we left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. this movie, it it was an experience. Um, it's a pretty heavy piece of work and it definitely I felt a lot of like anxiety and stuff but I mean we'll get into that but this movie is uh you know of course stars Adam Sandler um we'll talk a lot about his performance and what we think this means for his career but uh I want to talk about the directors the the Safdie brothers yes um I know that they made a a film called Good Time uh that I was put onto by Treasy Mm -hmm. uh Treasy what's what's up with Good Time what is that about so Good Time um it's uh, it's very similar uh, to, to where it's just kind of like following. Um, I don't even know how to explain it, man. It's just like a hole that keeps getting deeper, you mm-hmm. know. And good time, it was uh, this pair of brothers that had this plan of like uh, uh, moving to Virginia uh, to, I guess, rural Virginia to get away from the big city because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, the 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 all the details of the plot escape me but you know one of the brothers is obviously you know he's mentally handicapped mm-hmm. and then you've got Robert Pattinson which to me that's the best performance I've ever seen of Robert Pattinson to this I, day. I've heard that it's a great performance it, from him it's amazing oh, you haven't seen it no he hasn't seen I've, it I've not seen it that, yeah Uncut Gems was my first Safdie Brothers movie and yeah. so I'm wondering, like, the style that this film employs, is that also present in in Good Time? Very much. It's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. So they have definitely an auteur vision. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's their thing. You know, that's cool. It's it's almost European. Yeah. Yeah, this reminded me a lot of. What's uh what's his name? Wending Reffin. Exactly. Like yeah, Pusher. Like the Pusher Reffin. films. Yeah, Pusher, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is to yeah, to me these kinda these resemble the Pusher films. Um but yeah, just, just long story short, it starts off with the, the you know, the two brothers, they rob a bank mm-hmm. to get money to do this plan of moving to Virginia. It goes wrong and then it just snowballs from there. So it's like one event just interesting. It's a spiraling keeps accum- it keeps story. accumulating, right? And you know, without we're, we're not in spoilers yet for Uncut Gems. We'll let you know when we're going to spoil the movie. But uh, you know, that does seem to share some narrative threads with what this film is doing. Yes. Um, you know, I saw uh, Martin Scorsese uh, as a producer on this film. Is he credited on a Good Time as well? No, you know? I don't. I don't believe so. I, th- I think Good. I think Good Time was really like. The, the film that sort of bought them from the underground because yeah. um, yeah. they, they, they have a pretty, uh, you know, they have a good archive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the first the first movie I'd seen that they did was uh, 
There's a documentary on a basketball player named Lenny Cook mm. that was, you know, he kind of came out. He was in the same class of like LeBron James and stuff and Carmelo Anthony, but he was far superior than these guys. Mm-hmm. But he never made it to the NBA. So it just kind of talked about, you know, his his journey from high school into where he is now. And that um, sounds really interesting. Yeah. And even that, even that when I first watched it, it had a very gritty different presentation I just knew it felt different than any other sports documentary that I'd seen so uh, that's how I found out about them and then Good Time still was pulpy like that yeah as well um and, and with that with that grit you know I wonder I, I want to take everyone's temperature on like Adam Sandler because I think you know we have, there's a pretty big gap in ages from like me being the youngest to the oldest of us yeah. um and I do wonder like I, I grew up with Adam Sandler he had already made um, I think you know he'd already been on SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely saw things like Happy Gilmore as a kid. I saw Billy Madison as a kid. Like, but he was this very established entity by the time I came around. So like, I remember when like Mr. Deeds came out, and to me that was like, wow, like this is like a huge comedy, the biggest comedy star in the world. Right. Um, I, I, Martin the Mailman. Let's go back to you. Okay. How do you feel about Adam Sandler? What's your uh, what's your relationship like with him and his work? I mean, I love his early work. I love Waterboy. Of course, those movies you mentioned, Happy Gilmore, stuff like that. I never really hated him, even though he makes bad movies now. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, know, I he, think he, he made has, bad movies then, too. Like, Little Nicky is not good. Oh, yeah, Little Nicky is... I, when you're watching it when you're young, it's all right. Yeah, I, I like yeah. it as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, like, Big Daddy... I still think it's a legitimate good movie. I love Big Daddy. I think Big Daddy's awesome. I like the things he's done with Apatow because I also like Funny People. Yes. Funny Funny, Right. So Funny People was kind of, um, I mean, he, of course, did the movie with P.T. Anderson. Yeah, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, right? That was just like first foray into dramatic stuff. And then it was a long gap. And then Funny People in 2008, I believe. Um, where he kind of goes dramatic again, even though he's still pretty funny in that movie. And then that was 11 years ago, and then now we're back. Well, with, he had Rain Over Me. And with, Spanglish. With 50 yeah, first Dates. Yeah, yeah, but okay, so I will, all of those I would still 50 say. 50 Dates, Martin? One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but I would still say all of those are still, they don't feel as much of a departure from the the others. I mean, and I I remember feeling when I saw Funny People at the time I was like, wow, he's like making fun of like Adam Sandler, like the celebrity. Yeah. Um, but then he made the deal with Netflix and like kept making the same kind of movies. Yeah. Don't mess right. with the Zohan. <laughs> the gob, the cobbler. Well, yeah. What's the I one? Like the oh cobbler. my god, the cobbler yeah. is interesting. Actually, I I do think that. What's the one? Jack and Jill. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Pacino's in that movie too. I yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I love his earlier work. Um, I I do like. Punch Drunk Love a lot. I like Funny People. I don't think is a great movie, but I think he's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is for me. I, I think the biggest departure from like the Adam Sandler persona. Right? I, I think to me this is the biggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this has to be the biggest departure of the Adam Sandler persona. Uh, certainly, uh, yeah. Lizzy. How did uh, how did you feel about Adam Sandler's performance in this movie? Not really speaking to the movie as a whole, but just his work. Um. Remarkable but unsurprising. Oh, you had that ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're locked and loaded. Um, So I watched Sandy Wexler, which is not a good movie, but the kind of silly humor from Adam Sandler that I enjoy, like his character work. Mm -hmm. Um, And this just seems like a very serious version of that. Okay. So I wasn't surprised at how well it went over. I feel like he had like a light go at it with that other movie. Interesting. Um, you know, I felt like his work in this movie, I, I, I think it's excellent. I mean, I 
I've I've never seen him be this aggressive um, in a in a not funny way before. Like I mean, it's a different it's a different mode for him. You know, he's not doing the yelling like in the same way that he usually does. You know what I mean? He's not really playing it for laughs at any point. Mm. Um, there's funny stuff in this movie, but I don't think it really comes from him. I think his character is interesting and quirky, but it's not. He's never just like doing a joke. Mm, that's I, that's I interesting. Yeah, you I don't, don't agree. I, I totally no. didn't see it that way. Well, and maybe that's because, like I alluded to earlier, I mean, this movie really upset me. Okay. It upset me. I and this has been a, a theme for me this year in 2019, where there have been so many movies that have like really bothered me. Uh, like they're viscerally upsetting. Like you <laughs> quoted me earlier, Elise. Um, you know, Midsummer. I talked about that. That movie really bummed me out. I mean, when even when we came around to doing the podcast about it on kind of movie critics, right. I was still wrestling with very raw feelings about it. Right. Um, Joker is another movie that I also really enjoyed this year, but bothered me a lot. Right. I have a hard time watching it. Um, and this one too. I mean, I felt squirmy. I felt kind of sweaty sometimes. I felt like nervous um, and like nausea. Like it really made me nauseous because I was so upset and anxious and worried about what was going to happen in this movie. Interesting. So, I mean, I definitely were times when our audience was laughing, but I wasn't. Gosh. I was pretty much like, you know, concerned the whole time. So you were nervous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I will say, I will say, please go back and watch Good Time. I, see, okay. So I, and I know you did ask me, right? But, Tre- but Treasy's answered. Uh, <laughs> um, his performance to me, um, it was. I think. I think it was really good, right? I think it was Adam Sandler doing something that we've never seen Adam Sandler do. My problem is, is I never stopped seeing Adam Sandler, and I, I didn't expect that. I wanted. I wanted to. I wanted to lose him in this role. You know, you see that. You see the way his goatee is. Yeah. You see the way he's dressed. You he's know, they, dressed exactly like uh, Lando Calrissian from <laughs> uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And. And, you know, everything is sort of like the antithesis of what we do see as Adam Sandler. I was hoping that we would lose him. I was hoping that I would lose him in this character, and I did not. That's crazy. I I did. I had to keep reminding myself that it was Sandler. Wow. See, I wonder what that... I wonder why two... Same movie, different experiences. I wonder how that happens. Like, I mean, I think it's just our frames of reference and the things that we're into, right? I mean, that's, you know, to get real broad scope for a minute, I think... That's what makes talking about movies interesting, right? Because we all come with such different yeah. backgrounds. And I, you know, Lizzie had guessed when we sat down to watch the movie. She could had guessed by your very limited uh, words you had said to us about this movie uh-huh. that you didn't like it. Oh, okay. Um, it's not that. It's oh, not that. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just... Oh, you just, wanted to, you just wanted to save it for the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's not that I didn't like it. I mean, I didn't like it as much as I hoped to like it. Okay. I will say that. Um, oh, I so still you felt like I did about Queen and Slim. You were just like, whoa. Yeah. I, like, I went into it, you know, I, this was probably number three on my list of anticipated films for me. I remember you saying, I mean, and you had staked the claim on this very episode of Act 3, you had staked this uh, a long time ago. Yeah. said that you wanted to be on when we talked about this movie you were really anticipating this. right and it was all because of good time like yeah, good time was Brothers, that right. amazing to me that I, I was like anything that these guys do I'm totally into it um and, and I'm gonna follow through and, and so it, I just came out of this and I was just like oh you know I, I felt like this was actually a more tame version of good time mm. um in, in, a, in a certain so I, I feel it's like I felt like good time worked for them yeah. and they were like all right 
let's try this again with a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 I I was disappointed in that because. Th- th- so I, I don't consider this a spoiler because it's it's like pretty much the first scene. Mm-hmm. For me, the first scene, the first scene, as soon as I saw it, I said, there is a 50% chance I'm not going to like this movie. That's really? crazy. Let's With not the, say what that first scene is until spoilers, but okay. I, I know what you're talking about. Anybody who has seen it knows what you're talking about. But okay. that's really interesting. And once we get into spoilers, remind me. Because okay. I want well, to know why you felt that got way. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Lizzie, overall, I mean, how did this movie wash over you? Um, I enjoyed it. I feel like there's some messaging there that I, I'm curious if you guys picked up on in terms of what happened to who and how. Um, oh, hey, I need you to step off of that high horse real quick. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She's the layer queen. <laughs> Watch for the layer cake. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I I enjoyed the movie. I do I'm not as let down by it, I think, as Treasy is, because once we started getting into the movie, I was like, okay, this is what the Safdie brothers are doing now. They they're cashing out on the formula of good time. Mm-hmm. I love good time. Mm-hmm. Martin gave us some feedback, and I was really excited. And then I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. not, Martin is notoriously like hard to impress. Yeah, very so, that's certainly true. So when Martin gave his reaction, then Treasy was like, I don't want to talk about it. I was like, okay, what's going to happen here? Mm. But I did enjoy it. It was entertaining for me. Um, I was okay with being on the same roller coaster again. Yes. I was perfectly okay with that, especially because even though I knew the trajectory of the story, I still didn't know where we were going. Right. Um, one of the things about Good Time that I enjoyed was how tense it was. Mm-hmm how uneasy I was watching it. That happened to me several times watching this movie. The entire time. Um, The use of score, Father God. (laughs) I'm always like, this this music is making me feel something, and I feel like maybe it's unnecessary for me to be feeling it right now. Right. But, yeah, that's, I think, what kind of plays on my my unease of watching, too. Well, that's one, so that's one thing that the score really really unsettled me a lot and I, I think that it's definitely an important aspect of the filmmaking here I mean it's very intentional to make you feel um, you know there's this constant uh, cacophony of, of noise and you can't escape from it and while I really respect the, the methodology of using that I don't like how it made me feel. Right. Yeah, I would say it definitely impeded my enjoyment of the movie because I I spent so long just sitting squirming in my seat, being like, "I want this to be over." Yeah. Mm. Um, that said, that's how you make art, and if the art it affected me as intended, mm. so that's not a knock on this film or the Safdie brothers. That's just how it affected me. Uh, right. Martin the mailman, um, how did you feel about Uncut Gems? Well, I liked it. I think. It, it will be impossible for me not to like it. I think it just combines a lot of stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. I think it ca- it captures New York City, like modern day New York City, very well. It captures like the like just the sounds and noise that you hear, like how everybody's in your ear, people are having conversations at the same time. I just love Adam Sandler, and I love like the sports stuff in it too like there's so there's so much like inside like basketball type stuff that you would well it's inside baseball yeah, basketball it's all, yeah inside <laughs> baseball basketball talk yeah yeah I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil anything but yeah overall I like the movie and I had a headache like most of the movie so yeah I mean you mentioned like people talking over each other having conversations at the same time I mean they mix this movie in a way where like some scenes is literally like one conversation out of the left side of the theater yeah and one out 
out of the right, right. Um, you know, split up stereo. And it, that, it did make me feel like bad. And I, I did develop a headache like halfway through. But I, I had a headache bef- like slightly before I came into the movie. <laughs> so I'm not going to blame the movie. So when so, you have a headache, yeah. do you find like Tylenol or like uh, Excedrin, ibuprofen really helps? Like what's, what's better for you? Asleep. That's what I sleep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Preach. Preach. <laughs> Be sleep headache powder. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Sorry. So, okay. Um, before we get into spoilers, I mean, if the Safety brothers make, you know, an, another movie like this, uh-huh. would you be disappointed or do you want them to do, to do something else? No, or? no, because I think they're the ones to make these. I think the I think these sort of white knuckle thrillers um, where you where it's just an intense roller coaster ride and you don't know how it ends. Mm-hmm. I think that they're amazing. I feel like this is this is their what they offer to the space of cinema. Um, in addition to, you know, just really just really showing an, un, an uncut New York, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think they're the next legacy of filmmakers. You know, we've had the, you know, New York has had Woody Allen, Spike Lee, Scorsese, you yeah, know, Eddie Aronofsky Burns, to me, like Aronofsky dream kind of feels similar. Yeah. yeah. Like so it's, it grabs it, you. Yeah. Where it's, so they just, yeah. Matter of fact, Aronofsky is probably there. I, I feel like between both films, I can see his being the biggest influence on them yeah. uh, and how they capture New York. That's funny though, because you, you, you said that this capture, New York. I feel like Good Time captured New York, the modern well, New York, good way time better. Is, I, good Time is all set in Queens, right? So most so people don't know Queens and Brooklyn. I yeah, think. most people don't know Queens and Brooklyn, but they can recognize like maybe the Diamond District to a certain extent. They can recognize Manhattan. I think mm-hmm. that's well, why I say people's idea of New York would probably be more like this movie than it would be Good Time. That makes sense. It was this. It was the frames were so tight in this. I feel like they didn't really give you any privilege to seeing a lot of the that's world. That's another. You know, all these aspects of intentional filmmaking that uh, are meant to elicit. Um, anxiety or anything. The tight framing is something I noticed the whole movie. Yeah, um, there's no room for anybody to breathe. Even, even when like it's Adam Sandler walking down a street, mm-hmm. they'll use a long lens and shoot him from the other side of the street, yep. framed super tight, super tight, and yep. that made me feel so uneasy. You can man. feel it. Yeah, it's, it's a very subtle thing, but you can really and feel it. And it's to the point where, you know, when you're shooting that far, you know, he's moving in and out of focus all the time. They're right. constantly pulling. And that's another thing. You feel like you're kind of, it's drawing you in. Yeah. And, and it's, that is, that's alter filmmaking at its best, man, when yeah. it's like, you know, it's so intentional. There's nothing about this movie that feels like like stock right. or like the easiest or first choice you would make. Right. It seems yeah. like they, every shot they were doing, they were like, well, what's the most interesting way to do this? Right. Well, you know what I found amazing since we're still on non-spoilers too, just something a little bit more lighthearted. How amazing is black that you can bring Kevin Garnett back and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> really in does. 2012, yeah, exactly the same. You know, and Kevin, even the weekend. I mean, yeah. So, you know, oh, wow. I, it, he, he was a little cleaner than he looked at that time. Like, yeah, his hair yeah. was a little crispier. A little so that's a that's a wig that they must have made for him because I mean he doesn't have that hair anymore. Well, I think he cut it off pretty much right after. Do you think after he's principal he, photography? Are you sure? I'm almost positive. I feel like he's had this short haircut for a minute now. I think they might have had. No, a wig I think on. that's a new thing. I, th- I think I think he's he got the shortcut maybe mid mid 2019. Interesting. Yeah, to like a little. Well, flat it's been top a long situation. year, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, it's not a spoiler that those guys are in this movie um, at all because they're in the trailer. But I mean, and I don't. I think this is a good selling point. Uh, Kevin Garnett 
like good actor. He was actually really yeah. good. Man. Like, yeah. I, I was so surprised. And you know, there there is a, a number of celebrity cameos in the movie. And I would say his is a role. It's not even a cameo. Yeah. It's not even an extended cameo. He is a supporting actor in this movie. I feel like he should get top billing or not top billing, but like. But, I mean, he should be above second, the title. Yeah, above it the should title. be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I was really impressed by the lack of vanity. Um, Kevin Garnett plays himself in this movie, but he doesn't play like a crystal clean version of himself. Like he plays himself as an interesting, weird guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is not normal when you see, I mean, you think of like LeBron in a, uh, in train wreck or whatever. Or Ray Allen. Right. Oh, good Lord. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, like yeah. In, in the LeBron situation, like he's a good actor in that movie, but it's, he's, I mean, it's the most like PC, like, you know, clean, Sure. Version. Like he's just likable LeBron mm-hmm. and Kevin Garnett shows up and sort of plays himself as like a weird, like obsessed, like sociopath kind of like, you know, it's strange. He yeah. just felt like an NBA player to me. Yeah. But I think I, I don't know. I, I felt like the, the, um, the pathology behind his eyes and behind his performance was really interesting. Oh. And in front of a camera, even if that's how he is in real life in front of a camera, that kind of stuff melts away. So you have to be a skilled actor um, to be able to replicate real life in front of a lens. And I felt like he did a great job with yeah. that in this movie. No, I definitely agree that he did a good job. I just I don't want to take anything away from him by saying he felt like an NBA player. I think mm. he knows a lot of NBA players, obviously. Yeah. And the subtlety with which he approached that was impressive to mm-hmm. me. So he, he felt like a real person. He didn't feel like him playing himself. 100% agree. Yeah. It felt almost like he, it was like a documentary. So I, what I will say, and, um, and, I, and I hope this is part of well, it's been consistent with Good Time is that none of these people in this film felt inauthentic. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody no. felt completely real to who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and it seems like they're kind of known for casting, um, you know, pe- this is, a lot of people that they cast. This is their first film. This is their first feature film ever. Um, so it much it just really must speak to like how strong of directors they are to where they have the confidence to cast people that have like even the girl Julia I think that was in the yeah. um that played um um uh Adam Sandler's like side piece yeah that were you know um even her like I, I think her filmography is very very thin but the the confidence of these young because these guys are in their like early to mid 30s these yeah. safties mm-hmm. the confidence of them to be able to cast people that have no film experience bring them into this world and have people like Adam Sandler be able to sort of just to be able to act against him yeah it's amazing that speaks a lot to who they are as directors I mean they're very savvy and that's why they're called the savvy safties the savvy safties there Um, it is I think there's a lot more to discuss about like the specifics in this movie Um, so I, I think I'm ready to move on to spoilers do you guys have anything to add before we go I mean, I think we'd all recommend people to see this movie, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you're a fan of, like, thrillers or crime movies or even if you like the Scorsese thing, like, this movie has a lot of common threads. And and let's be clear, just because it came out on Christmas and has Adam Sandler, it is not a family movie. So, uh, I, I mean, no, 100% I, not. I was just reading <laughs> I was reading reviews, and apparently that uh, some people thought that. Yeah, really? definitely had a friend. <laughs> I, I had a friend who was like, I thought this was going to be a comedy, man. Yeah. Wow. He hated the movie. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like the trailer doesn't sell that at all. That's people. That's I yeah. think that just speaks to how strong a brand is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very people true. see Adam Sandler's name and look no more. You know, it's oh, it's my, I know what yeah. this kind of movie is. Wow. Very true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do spoilers for Uncut Gems in three, two, one. OK, so I mean, I guess first let's just jump to the end. I mean, 
the way that this movie ends, uh, I'll just say I saw it coming. I felt like, and I, I'm not bragging about that, but I felt the whole movie, I was like, well, this has got to end with this guy dying. Well, yeah. He, uh, he there's no other no choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and uh, in the scene, in the, in the context, in the scene, when he, you know what he had done to those guys, he locked them in the the airlock or whatever in the vestibule, right? <laughs> right. And then, you know when he gets the win with the game, I was like, oh, okay, it's about to happen right now. It's yeah. going to happen in his moment of triumph. Right. And I also knew the the heads out the window handoff with the bag of the money. I was like, oh, this is a final goodbye. Like right. I, I just knew. Um, did you guys also see that coming? I mean, because uh, for me, it was a palpable sense of dread. Every every clue that I saw for that happening made me feel worse in my body. <laughs> yeah. So so I to be completely transparent, I didn't I didn't see. I, I knew something extremely bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, but I I wasn't like, oh, they're going to shoot Adam Sandler in the face. Same. You know. But when it happened, I I wasn't surprised. I was more surprised about Arno getting killed. I was more surprised about that. So that that was shocking. Yeah. I mean, and Arnold is an interesting character because I feel like he kind of makes his debut like later in the movie. You know, I mean, yeah. those goons show up early. His, uh, I don't know, his, his squad, if you will. What, what should we call them? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're I guess they're the forces. Yeah. Yeah. They're right. hired hands. The they're, yeah. they're there very early on in the film. But then Arnold doesn't show up until the play, you know, when he's in the car. And he, he has the presence of like a mob boss. Yes. Right. And that's who he's framed as. And I think it's an intentional... Uh, misdirect. misdirect for two reasons and you think the first one you think it's over when he shows up at that family dinner and you're like oh these guys are related and that's a big shock by marriage they're related right yeah. but the fact that like oh that's it's not like he just went to some kingpin to borrow money like this is some dude yeah. that he is in his life right and that is such an interesting fold um on a plot mechanic level and also like it's to speak to who uh Sandler's character is he's somebody that is abusing his relationships with everybody in his life including sure. this family member sure um and i think that makes it kind of hit home i think in a lot of ways uh, most of us know or know somebody who knows somebody like this you know some of us might have people like this in our families right. um not to this extreme but that really just kind of made it feel grounded on a whole new level. Do you guys agree? With Arno being killed, like his reaction to um, Adam Sandler's character being killed first is what really threw me. Because yeah, because he wasn't in support of it. He was right. upset. He was. He was. He seemed very ominous even after that. Where were they at? Like um, Passover. Passover dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. At, it. Se- he seemed very ominous sitting there, and it kind of felt like his his uh, in-laws didn't really like know either of them very well mm. and they had their thing going on and that like he could still be like really in the thick of like yeah. crime or whatever. Uh, I took it as he wasn't I thought he wasn't Jewish. I thought Adam Sandler was so they like accepted him a lot more. Oh yeah, def- yeah that's, definitely. I think they say that it's like because uh, they say that uh, what's he his said, name? Happy he holi- said Happy Holidays. Arnold says ho- he Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas I think is what he well, said. Well he said Happy Holidays no. and then he, he was just like you're going to marry Christmas me like Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but but it. I still kind of felt like yes to your point. I think they accepted him a lot more and they doted on him because he was Jewish. Yeah. But and they're really Jewish in this movie. Like I, those are some of the things that I've not been privy to in in my observance of people who practice Judaism. But um, I still felt like okay, he's not going to do anything horribly bad to him because it's his in law. But at the mm. same time, like. 
the stakes are really high because he knows everything about him and could really, really harm him. Mm-hmm. So when he was killed, when Howard was killed, and Arnold's re- reaction to it was just, he was so scared. Yes. I had like a paradigm shift in this moment. And I'm like, oh, he's just a regular guy that's like way in over his head. Whereas Howard is the guy that really, really is in the thick of the dirt all the time. Yeah. I mean, I still felt like, I don't know. I still read Arnold as like, it probably has his, uh, you know, a million other things that he's also taking care of other people he's collecting from and roughing up. Like, I still imagine that backstory around that character. But I just felt like it, it's to show, like, even when you're, quote unquote, at the top, anybody can take your number. You know what I mean? I mean, they. It, yeah, no, I, I agree yeah. with you. I took it as like, I didn't take it that way. I, I took it as he hired those guys because it got to a point like mm-hmm. it had to get so bad with oh. him trying to get that money back that he had to hire some I guess okay. I don't know if they were Eastern European or Italian or what they, they were they seemed like they were mob affiliated yeah. from Boston I think they alluded to he was, mm-hmm. they were from Boston because oh, yeah. he was Irish. like is that one of your guys at the game yeah at the game yeah but see, that's the thing, though. They're Jewish, so none of them are made guys. So they're free game. If they wanted to kill them, they could kill yeah, them, they, and they did. Yeah, that's very true. It's not mob rules. Um, I was it, honestly the the ending left me more confused about Adam Sandler's character because I, you know, there were so many times. I mean, obviously he has a gambling addiction. Obviously, yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot going on with this guy. Um, but he's savvy. He's savvy enough to have. A diamond shop, you know, or a jewelry shop. He, I mean, he's he's not a complete mess up, right? Like, oh, I think I think I had the same thought okay. and question, and I feel like we're checking in with him once it's gotten too far. That there must have been a time when it wasn't this bad because right. he has his family, he's married to Adina Menzel, mm-hmm. he's got this great house, he he has made all these contacts all over the city. If you're a disaster from the jump. You can't have all that you stuff. Can't have right. all you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're checking in on a man who has just let things go out of control. You get the idea that his affair that he's having is a relatively recent uh, development. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still in the pro- They haven't even told their kids that they're getting divorced, he and Adina Menzel. So I felt like that's when we're checking in on him, right? That like he th- he's still um, getting worse and right. he hasn't realized yet how bad it's gotten. Right. Can we talk about this debt to Arno real quick? Yeah. Did Arno is Arno the one who financed these him getting these gems over? That's curious. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Because he he owed him a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand was the tab, correct? Did you I guys pick up on that? It's a yeah, lot of it, was, it was a hundred thousand okay. and he said the watch was worth twenty thousand, which we know it wasn't, but Right. Well the the tab to Arno was a hundred thousand and later on in the conversation we learned with Kevin Garnett that the gem, the uncut gem the whole process was they paid a hundred thousand to the Ethiopian Ethiopians. allegedly, uh, allegedly, uh, which I took that as an honest moment. I didn't think he was being honest. I think he gave. Yeah, him I less. felt like he gave. told him more. I felt like he probably paid less for I, it. That's what I felt and like. He too. inflated it to sound like he was not being making more as much fair, money. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I say that uh, honest to us. I, I felt like that was a clue into where the money came from. Yeah. And then I looked over. It took him an eighteen month period, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously he's relying on these things to get here, so he can make his money back to pay Arno. And this is wait. Why, so what's the case? It's not Arnold. It's not A R N O. No, Jeez. Yeah. Arnold. All right. I got, now I got to go back in the episode and edit out every time I say his name. <laughs> but th- that that's what I took from it. So you guys didn't pick that up at all. No, that, I t- I took it. He's owed him for like a, a very long amount of time. Okay. And he, he keeps doing this whole like 
I'll take your money then bet yeah, it on yeah. something else. Like for the entire time, the only reason he hasn't killed him or like really messed him up is because he's his brother-in-law. Right. And because they had a relationship before he loaned him the money. Gotcha. Dude, okay. it is so hard to watch every time that he gets money and then immediately throws it away. Or like yeah. what he does with KG's ring, you know, he gets this collateral and immediately puts himself in a bad situation and pawns it. Like, that kind of, and that's so real. I know people who can't help themselves and just keep doing stuff like that with the faith that it'll all check it'll, out in the end. The that justify it, the, the means. Yeah, that the zeros will balance out. And yeah. I just, you know, they never do in real life. And right. so <laughs> you're watching yeah. this guy, you know, on a somewhat exaggerated scale because this is a film, just do these crazy things. Yeah. And that's really contributed to. Um, you know what upset me about the movie like I said I mean I think this movie is solid filmmaking wise but I can't I can't separate how bad it made me feel and it I don't did this movie feel long to you guys maybe it was just because I was so miserable watching it but I felt like oh my god this movie will not end and I can't watch this horror story anymore if, if, to me it felt the length it was you know how it, long is it it's two hours like and 15 two, minutes two fifteen yeah. yeah okay that's about what I guessed yeah so so um yeah man no I, I agree with you it's very tense I mean it's very thick there again I think good time is a better representation of that thickness because I feel at no point so you think good time is a better time than this movie yeah I think good time is absolutely a better a, a, a better a better way to really show those these tense moments mm-hmm. um, because they're rooted in a lot more reality. To, to, to me, when he was taking these gangsters as a joke, like when he smacked them, I didn't understand this. I'm, I'm like, so you, who, would, who would do that? You're, you're a sleazy that guy that deals in a certain type of. It, I don't know if that speaks to his privilege or what he. Th- oh, it the was projection. all about privilege. Okay, yeah. so yeah, fill me in then because you smacked a gangster like. Every, everything that he was doing was rooted in him thinking that he could just get away yeah, with it. Yeah, that he's untouchable. He was untouchable. He could get away. And, and Got I, this hotshot jewelry store. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, serving up some of the biggest in the game. Like, yeah, thinking that he's made it to the top and now nobody can mess with him. And he's all right. calling all the shots. He's the one moving all the chess pieces. I'm the puppeteer here. So I can me. get away with everything. And when the first thing that clued me into like his relationship with Arnold was weird was when he called him on the phone and got like tough guy with him on the phone mm-hmm. after he just had some guys come in and like rough yeah. him up. Right. So I was just kind of like, okay, this this guy thinks he's like part gangster himself like this is the story he tells himself he definitely has a mythology around himself yeah so he has like all this bravado when he's like I never saw him with a gun Mm -hmm. like He's just walking around feeling like I'm a tough. And even when he um, came at Lakeith Stanfield's character in the club, I was like, yo, he really thinks like he can just do whatever. Right. So and and I I mean, I guess Lakeith Stanfield's character um, didn't didn't really have anything to back up his mouth either. Yeah. Um, so right. like everybody's posturing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. He and Lakeith Stanfield, I was so interested in that relationship. Um, also, I mean, we haven't really talked about Stanfield, but this is a different kind of performance for him because he usually does like likable guys, I think. That's, to me, he, he was, was likable in this one. Me. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, he's likable, but I just felt so frustrated with everything in this movie. Maybe I just hated everybody in this movie because I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, y'all need no, to get it together. There's no good guys in this movie. No, there's, there's not, really not. There's not. I think, well, and then Stanfield plays it, I think, a little bit more intimidating and menacing in this role than he is in like, I mean, in Atlanta, he's like a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart and right. knives out. Yeah. Like, he's always like this likable, kind 
Bart's gentle guy. I or, or he's a weirdo. He's pretty, or he's always totally yeah. weird, and he's kind of like uh, very realistically uh, intimidating in this movie. And I, I, I thought he was great with that. Really? You felt like he was intimidating? I didn't feel that way. I mean, he definitely isn't somebody... I felt like Adam Sandler didn't know who he was messing with. Yeah, and which speak... I mean, to me, it's like if, if he wasn't scared of these, you know, Russian, Italian, right, right, gangster right. guys... You know, I, they were way more threatening to to me. You know, guys in leather jackets to me. Period. I'm like, all right, man. Let me. <laughs> no, sorry. You know, just, I mean, <laughs> you, yeah, know. you get the idea that Stanfield is like he's just some dude. Yeah, you know, just, he's just chilling and doesn't really take this job seriously. And he's like, whatever. You know, I'm a, right. I'll get your stuff to you when I get it to you. Right. Well, well. Yes, but it's kind of like he's doing the same thing to Howie that yeah, Howie's doing and to I, other and people. And I love that. Right. They're doing the same thing to each other. He gets so mad. Yeah. But like, that's why it's all like love after mm-hmm. it's over because they don't really have any bad intentions toward each other. Right. I will say this, though. I, I feel like Lakeith lets, um, with the black opal, that's the... I don't want to call it a MacGuffin, but it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's the MacGuffin in the story. Oh, you mean the map to Luke Skywalker? There we go. Right. <laughs> the way back. <laughs> the wayfinder? The wayfinder. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I feel like the reason that he allowed Kevin to keep it longer than um, he should have is because he was like, Howie's not going to do anything to me. Like, it'll be fine. Um, and at the same mm. time, I think that there's like a symbiotic situation there, right? I don't think that Howie can get in the room with black people like he wants to. And based on the kind of gaudy, disgusting jewelry that he has in his store, like that's really his main clientele. And so he needs Lakeith to bring the right people in for his brand of jewelry. Because I think that, you know, white people who have money are not taking him seriously. No, no. I mean, you know, he definitely is... uh, Going after a demographic, it's all glitz. Yeah, yeah. People that are all—it's it's all posturing in, in, in the same way that he is. Yeah. And I felt like I actually felt like with the reason that uh, Kevin Garnett has the thing longer than he's supposed to is because Lakeith Stanfield understands that he doesn't really have any power in the situation. I don't think he could tell Kevin Garnett like, "Yo, you need to get this back." No, yeah. he can't, he can't tell him that. And I also think that he likes being around Kevin, so it gives him yeah, an excuse to exactly. be around him more. Yeah. So, out of curiosity, um, so. When this gym, when it was received, mm-hmm. right, and it was received, w- was it planned to be received in front of Kevin Garnett? Like, did he sell him on what the the ideology of this thing in order for him? Like, did he did did Harold orchestrate this? I felt like that to make was the bet. I felt like it was coincidence. <laughs> What's his name? Howard. 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 Harold. I'm sorry. I felt like it was a coincidence that the delivery happened at that time, and it, you kind of can see the wheels turn, turning with. Uh, with Sandler, where he's like, I'm about to lose this customer. Oh, wait. Look at what I got. Let me pull up this cell phone video and get a pitch together. That was weird to me. That that whole introduction yeah. of this gym. I've been to, sold on things like that before. I, it was weird well, he's to a, me. He's it was a hustler. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think that that was weird, personally, because like that's how someone like him does his business. You think about like Jacob the Jeweler, right? Yeah. Why do we know about Jacob? Because rappers talk about because him. They gave him credibility him. for the regular person to aspire to have pieces from them. Right. So that wasn't weird to me. It just kind of... I, th- I feel like it was like throwing dirt on someone like 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 a Jacob. It's just kind of like you guys care about this person, but mm. in the real world of the Diamond District, they're not respected. Right. I, I think at the same time, he's like a really huge basketball fan. Yeah. So he really wants to impress Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't buy anything from him, he wants to be like, Kevin Garnett, I'm a huge fan. Like, look at my rock. 
Yeah, but yeah. here's the thing, man. Like, and you know, and maybe I'm, I could be completely off the mark here. Um, black people are a little bit harder to sell than that, man. Like this guy just pulled up a YouTube video and some uncut gems, and then all of a sudden, I sp- I feel this spiritual connection to this rock, and it's like. That's what I loved about it the was Kevin Garnett. To me, man. It is kind of he hokey. was superstitious. But I, yeah, but that's what I think is cool is they immediately established like Kevin Garnett. Oh, believes in magical rocks. It <laughs> <laughs> like, is willing to do anything to obtain it. Like, what, so now, so now we're in Indiana Jones. Is what's happening. I thought that was so funny. I like. I really think that is kind of one of the meta meta things in the movie that I enjoyed was yeah. like just the idea that Kevin Garnett would be like, wait, you you got this role and I got to do what? Yeah, and I'm playing myself as a this mystical cool basketball god i'm in i thought like respect for that dude that's cool i mean so you can look at it that way but you can also look at it metaphorically as then you're like black people are not that easily influenced and we're not that superstitious but we definitely believe in opulence and like what kind of power that can project so that's not too far off i mean i feel that but he's not wearing it around his neck exactly we believe in opulence (laughs) when it's in a rim or something (laughs) (laughs) it can be sold to us that way but to be sold that this thing has some healing power like is i have some friends that still believe in aliens yeah or the moon landing he's not he's not just a black person he's an athlete athletes are very superstitious especially like if it's a big game like they have their rituals they Oh, you know what? My bad. And and and, and the, the thing did break. I forgot the display broke. And he was like, yeah, that's a sign. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but finish your thought, though. I'm sorry, Martin. Well, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. Athletes, <laughs> they're very superstitious. Like, yeah. they all have their rituals. They all have what they do before the game. Yeah. All right. That was hokey. Just crossing their fingers and kissing their hands. And they're very the handshakes, everything. Yeah. Right. Okay. Can I'm we fun. hit on, uh, on, you talked earlier about the opening scene in the movie. And I know we're, we're getting towards the end of the show here, but I, I want to know. Why was that so divisive for you? For me, because I thought this was a story about this guy mm-hmm. and th- these little blocks on the Diamond District and how he's paying Robin Peter to pay Paul. And I was I was ready to be invested in this. So when I saw the Diamond Mine situation, I said, oh, there's a there, now there's a bigger message. And usually I'm not against the bigger message, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know, th- so what? So what? The this is the cost of what a diamond. T- I already know that. I've seen Blood Diamond, right? So that's it's like, I was gonna say. Like, yeah. I, like I was definitely like, oh, in America it's bling bling, but over there it's bling bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so what? Just out of curiosity, is that that's what I didn't take that away from that after seeing it in its totality. To be fair to you, the opening scene made me think, okay, this is where we're going with this, just like you. But then after I saw the whole movie, I kind of felt like that was something different. So what was the messaging that you took away as as opposed to like... So the messaging that I took away originally before the ending was, okay, these rocks that we, that we hold in high regard, there is a blood tax, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, so... Um, First of all, to see it was actually an uncut gem. I just thought that was a metaphor for the movie. Like, I thought the movie title was a oh, metaphor. I want to know about your read on the title as well after this. Okay. So, you know, the, this guy, we see this guy coming in with a broken leg. And it's like, okay, there is a cost to these things that we are willing to pay these high value dollars for. So it's it's like it leaves a trail of blood, this thing. Um, you know, the, the that was the price of getting it off the cliff was this guy broke it or out of the cave. This guy broke his leg. Then it comes to America and obviously it, it, it just carries this, this aura of like danger, right? Like, and it's all a tax, you know, it's like legal tender. It's like, you know, once it's out there, it's already accumulated 
it's already a debt. You know what I mean? So I kind of took it as like a metaphor for that, where it's the, the existence of this thing and the exchange of it from one person to another accumulates a debt. And that debt is a blood tax. Okay. That's how I felt about it originally. Right. And then when the end of the movie came, I was like, oh, it's just a bad luck. It's, it's just a gem oh, of like okay. bad luck. I took away a few things. So mm-hmm. in my observation of that first scene, I didn't think that he broke his leg mining that p- specific gem. Because oh. um, it seemed to me that the two guys used that opportunity as uh, a time to go in and be unnoticed and extract it. So I think they came up on it. And then when he do broke his leg, they were like, yo, like we can we can go make this happen. now." Oh, interesting. So oh. I didn't I didn't think about it that way. I did kind of feel like you said that, like, oh, these are the stakes of the gems that we have and you should be mindful of this. But then when the movie was over, it kind of showed me like, yo, the stakes are high for everybody. Like this is not pretty for anybody in this game. Exactly. Is the way that I took that away, but yeah. and and at the same time, like everybody in, involved is a hustler. Like they were hustling, trying to do something clandestine to to get a, to hit a lick. Yeah, it's hit a lick too deep. For <laughs> no, I think I think people know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was just like, you know, they they came up, mm-hmm. um, and as Howard was explaining, like a hundred thousand to them is like it's a million a to us because mm-hmm. that's not the kind of money that they make risking their lives to bring us these gems. Yeah, right. But at the same time, it showed you, like, in his world, like, it wasn't even worth it. They changed their life. And then for him, he thought it was going to change his and it wasn't it worth doesn't, it. Yeah, it wasn't nothing. worth it. Yeah. T- so to me, as soon as I saw it, it was a 50 percent chance I wasn't going to like this movie because I, I said this is this is off the beaten path of what the, the journey that I wanted. I wanted this very quarantine story mm-hmm. about this guy and th- the wrath of the, the wrath that he leaves behind trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. But now there's like. There's a whole scene that really doesn't even matter in the film, and and it's the first scene in the film. I, but I think it matters on a thematic level, like Leavesy was outlining. Um, but I but I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. The movie works without it. It's totally Completely. you can pick up, you know, with Adam Sandler, and the first time you see the gem is when he pulls it out. Yeah, he gets a delivery, and 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 you know, and then you show the YouTube video, and we get the context. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, but it, I mean, it must have been an expensive one to shoot. It looked kind of like it was a pretty big scene. So <laughs> maybe it. they were just like, man, I got to keep it in. Yeah, they, they had to blow a budget. Like they wrote that in the blow a budget. Um, before we before we wrap up, I, I want to know, and anyone who has a reading can answer because I don't think that I do. Uh, what do you think the title means? What does it represent to you uh, metaphorically? Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It seemed pretty spot on. This uncut gem was really the star of the. But it's un- movie. uncut gems pluralized as the title. Well, I, I think uncut. I think I think the value. I think what we saw like in the auction, right? The auction scene. We saw that like value is assigned, right? So like, you know, maybe it's maybe that's the metaphor here. Is that like assigned value? Um, and where does where does that come from? Where does that authority of what something's worth comes from? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because like you guys pointed out, like it changed this diamond may have changed these Ethiopians life or these gems changed these Ethiopians lives. And it changed Kevin Garnett's life. You know, he 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 took him to the you know, to the championship that year. Um, but for for Howard. It killed them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's assigned value. And where does that assignment of the value come from? Uh, I don't know. That's what I took from it. Lazy, 
Martin the Mailman, any thoughts? So I kind of took it to mean that, like, by the time we get any precious um, gemstones, they are cut. They're all polished up for you. They're in the shape that you desire to, to purchase. But there's so much that goes on outside of that final product. So much in the same way that you can watch a blood diamond and go, oh, wow, before this gets to me, it affects so many other people um, in a negative way. By the time it's an uncut gem after it's been mined, apparently in the Diamond District, there's all this stuff going on that's also not as pretty as the final product also. So I kind of mm. took it that way. Right. I, I like that. Really. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah, I guess mine is kind of similar. It's just like the pressure it takes to make a gem, the pressure it takes to make a giant diamond. Okay. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like all this external pressure is on like Adam Sandler and of course he dies at the end but it's like what what makes him into like this charismatic this like insane person mm -hmm. in a sense uh, that's what I got was I, I, I think that's beautiful Th man that's actually a re that actually redeems it for me yeah, what okay. you just said because because obviously we saw that he had a talent with betting like mm -hmm. ga like gambling he did have a talent you know he was really good at reading you know, what was the situation and okay, KG, you know, I can get KG invested in this and it can work for my better interest. Mm -hmm. Like he was like Sam Rothstein or Ace Rothstein mm -hmm. in that way from Casino. You know, he knew he knew how to bet. And that, you know, I'm sure that's a refined craft. You gotta lose a lot. Yeah. And be put you gotta be willing to sit under these pressure situations, you know, back, calling right. back to you, Martin, in order to win big. Um and that just, I don't know, man. There's so many things that could be taken from this, but it, this movie just could have been a lot more straightforward, in my in my opinion. That's interesting. I mean, I you know I think it all it all added up for me, but it made an ultimately negative experience. I mean, like I think the movie's good, but I don't know if I could say I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, do we think? And this is the last question. Then we got to wrap it up. Uh, but but uh, do we think Adam Sandler stands uh, to win any awards here? He's been very talked about uh, in the Oscar race. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't. I, going into this, I would have said yes. Coming uh, out of this, I don't see it. I, I think he is kind of one note the whole time. He does a lot of yelling into a phone, yelling at people, kind of doing the same thing. That said, I do. Th it, to me, it was transformative. So. I don't know. There's there's always a lot of good performances, and what ends up really catching with voters, um, you know, in these various groups, and especially the academy, the academy is is often a surprise. So uh, they don't like it when people transition from one thing to another, and I guess he never did stand up, so maybe that won't count against him. But because he's like a comedian, I guess like. He used to do stand-up, I think. Well, yeah, he did. He I don't know. Doomed. I think the Academy might look really fondly upon this. I, I um, think that, like, it's. I think they might see it as like a return to form from uh, from like Punch Drunk Love. And may stuff. Maybe I just know like. It, I remember how big of a deal it was when Robin Williams got his Oscar because he started off as a comedian and they don't like that. They're like, we've been hustling since day one doing this other thing. And, you know, you, you're a rapper. You're probably like, yeah. Will Smith and God, get it up. So, well, so, and then you come into this lane yeah. when they, they've been hungry for it their whole lives. So it could happen, but I kind of think, like, that's still a thing. And See, it might be bet, harder for him. I might bet the other way. I think that they... Uh I, I think that they'll like the redemption narrative here. And I think also like a 24 has been spending a lot of money campaigning for this. Like yes. he's huh. been showing up everywhere. He had uh, the, one of those variety actors on actors talks with Brad Pitt, which is awesome. Really good. So good. Yeah. 
Um, so, and you know, just like uh, American politics, no matter your party, uh, really what matters is how much money you spend on the campaign. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what I will say, because I know time is a factor here, and I'll, I'll make this very concise. Um, I never, I, I feel like Adam Sandler was the perfect choice for this, right? Yeah. Because because I did not care about. Howard at all. He was a scumbag to me. Yeah. The only reason why I cared about him is because uh, Adam Sandler is such a such a warm spirit. He has to as be a, a, a somebody you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. I think the legend of who Adam Sandler is carried into this uh, performance for me. Totally. Yeah. I, that's what I was gonna say. Is like I think this movie is very meta at moments, especially like the scene where he's talking to his wife at the Passover. That feels like Adam Sandler talking to the audience, like, come on, like, just give me, yeah. you guys love me, right? Like, just give wow. me one more shot. And the whole, every time, like, Kevin Garnett's playing a game, that feels like, yeah, I'm rooting for Adam Sandler. Like, I, if he's in the room with, like, a bunch of other actors, I kind of want him to win on some small level. Yeah. And I, I just love the way the movie does that is, like, I knew that Boston was going to win, but it was still, my heart was pounding every time yeah. KG would put up a shot because right. it's just, like, it, it really grabs you and puts you into the movie and I just if it, it felt really meta in that way about his career and who he is as a person good point I think that's a great note to leave it on for uh, for uncut gems uh, a movie that it, certainly there's so much to unpack and I think that we could go for another hour if we had to but sadly we are out of time uh, so thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Act 3 podcast this is, I mean I, I love this mashup episode it's basically an episode of kind of movie critics just with the veneer of Act 3 on it, top of it yeah man I do say uh, I, I, I miss the presence of Steven I really like you I know I wish chemistry. that this fifth chair in the room here had Steven in yeah. it I think he would be a good uh, a very contrasting uh, energy to the, the KMC crew yeah I would love to hear his opinion Stephen Wall we're calling you out. Yeah. I know Steven you're needs listen. to come on KMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should. Yeah, we'll make that happen. Let's do that. Um, can we? Uh, let's uh, tell us a little bit about where we can find KMC at. Oh, uh, you can find Kinda Movie Critics on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Kinda K I N D A Movie Critics. Uh, and if you're on Twitter, uh, you can find us on Kinda Movie Crits C R I T S. Definitely go find that podcast and subscribe to it. Just yeah. like you should also do for Act Three, uh, so that you can get all of our episodes right when they come out. You don't have to go search for them; they'll be brought to you. Mm. If you want to hear more episodes of this show, you can go to Act Three Podcast.com. You can also check out um, WTKR.com slash podcast to see all the cool stuff that we're working on over there. Uh, you can go to any of your favorite podcast apps and find that as well. Sometimes that can be a little tough, but if you go to the website, act3podcast.com, and go to the player, you can uh, subscribe right from the links on the player. So make sure you do that. Uh, thank you guys again so much. This was this was a really fun episode. I love chatting about all things Hollywood with you guys. Yeah, thank you. For the Act 3 Podcast, I'm Chandler Nunnally. I'm Treasy. Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Lazy. And that's a wrap. Um, did you guys? I'm, I'm, before we go into Act Three, did you guys uh, see that Barack Obama he uh, put out his list of? I saw yeah, that, I was kinda, but I didn't see what was on it. I was mad because last year I think I got like ten of them. This uh-huh. year I probably only got like five of them. Right. I think it's pretty cool that what yeah. he does with this. Like, first of all, I'm, I'm his. I'm actually waiting for it. He watches list. interesting movies. I was like, he watches interesting movies, and he has a lot of time to watch stuff. Yeah, he like does. that's pretty amazing. Like, was this the, he put out the film list? Yeah, yeah he put out the film oh, list. Oh, I saw the and, book list. So just to, so just to name the film list, we've got, uh, and obviously he does them in alphabetical order. He's not going to put them in order of what mm-hmm. he likes. For but he got American Factory, Amazing Grace, 
Apollo 11. That was great. Ashes, Apollo 11's great. Ashes Purest White, uh, Atlantics, Birds of Passage, Book Smart, Diane. Book Smart was good. The yeah. Farewell, Ford v. Ferrari. I want to see the The Irishman. Ooh. It <laughs> got both of y'all. Um, <laughs> Just Mercy, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, hey. uh, Little Women, Marriage Story, Parasite, The Souvenir, and Transit. Uh, and then nice. he said, and then he said a quick list of TV shows that I considered <laughs> yes. as powerful as movies. Um, Fleabag season two. Wow. Okay. Unbelievable and Watchmen. I knew Watchmen was going to be on there. Mm-hmm. I've seen all three. You, did Did you watch Fleabag at all? Not at all. Yeah, I don't even. Well, know. you know what. Uh, I gotta say, uh, me and Michelle at home, uh, we've been watching uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge on Fleabag, and let me just say that young lady is uh, incredible, <laughs> Mr. President. Now that we have you here, <laughs> sure. uh, let me ask you, man. Um, so Chandler had a huge problem with the length of the Irishman. How did you deal with the length of the Irishman? Well, uh, you know, as a former president, I have a lot of uh, speaking engagements. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time uh, writing books and such with Michelle. Um, I will say it was a hefty investment of time, the Irishman. But as such a huge fan of, uh, of Marty... And, and the, the gangster films that he's made. I, I got to say, I was just uh, totally taken aback by the return of Joe Pesci. And I thought uh, De Niro and uh, Pacino were doing great work as well. So it it is long. It's an arduous watch. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, not to say that my time's uh, any more valuable than anyone else's. But, uh, you know, I took the time. I'll admit it took me two days to get through it. Okay. But uh, I would advise it, especially since it's on Netflix. And and is your Netflix account actually under like you know Barack Obama at gmail dot com? Uh, no, like actually, that? you know I feel a little embarrassed saying it, but uh, Malia actually pays for the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> you know I do. I have one of the little profiles, and I picked the uh, the upside down smiley face as my image. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she handles all the billing. Yeah, <laughs> she handles all the billing. That was good. That's that's actually a pretty good impression. Actually. And it's tough sometimes because uh, <laughs> I give I give uh, Joe. You remember my old buddy Joe? Yeah, I know uh, Joe, former Vice President uh, Joe. Joe Biden. Joe. Uh, he keeps turning on the subtitles on my account, and I'm like Joe. If you're going to turn on the subtitles, buddy, you got to turn them off when you're done. <laughs> so, so Biden uses your account as well. Yeah, and I don't know. He has his own profile, but he keeps clicking on my image. I think he likes yeah. the upside down smiling face. <laughs> This has been an On Ear Network production.